he made me do a conga line right in the middle of church. No, so bongos. And uh, 25 years ago, he called me into his office and he said, you know, listen, I see leadership gifting on you. Why don't you start a Bible study for young people? He gave me my first opportunity to teach in a church. He helped me launch my, our, our traveling ministry when we were teenagers. Um, he hired me, my first job ever um, in a church and launched me to my first church plant ever. So really every success I've ever had in life and ministry I owe to Bruce. And that's, I'm going to build you up. You better bring it today. Um, Bruce is the founding pastor and lead pastor of the Barn Vineyard Church in Landenburg, PA, and they launched us. Many of you came from them, but many of you have never been there and have never seen this. Come on out. Have never seen this guy. Let's give him a hand. So we're really excited to have Bruce here. And um, I was going to mention that. Also, some of you know Jonathan. Um, <laughs> he was, he's our hype man. And uh, no. Jonathan is the other pastor here at City Light, and this is his dad. Isn't that awesome? So give Bruce a big hand. We're excited to have him. <laughs> All right. Well, it's great to be here, you guys, and uh, a lot of you I know, and a lot of you I do not know. Uh, actually, Christian made a mistake. I hate to burst the bubble of the perfect Christian, but uh, he made a mistake, and it has to do with who I am believe it or not. Jonathan, you're wrong as well. Oh, no. Yeah. So, actually, I'm not Bruce Latchaw. I'm actually Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> and I'm here to talk about the Eagles. Seriously, yeah. So, we're going to talk about football all sermon. Uh, okay, I have been asked to um, speak this Sunday about uh, uh, one element of the um, One Another series that you guys are doing, and so obviously One Another has to do with the relationships between church members, leadership, congregation, spouses, parents, children, just people in the congregation who are newer, older, uh, older chronologically, younger chronologically, so... There are a whole network, a whole network of relationships within any congregation, and uh, you guys are doing a series on building up the body of Christ here at City Light, and you're doing it through the lens of the one another scriptures in the New Testament, and there are a ton of them. I'm sure that you've already taught two, ser- two teachings on that, and so you've gone over some of the ways in which uh, the Lord tells us that we're to be toward one another. And this is really, really important because um, it's been my experience observing churches and observing my own church that the Lord has allowed me to found and to grow through decades. I've noticed that the Lord is a smart guy and he will not bring people to a church that's not spiritually, emotionally, and relationally healthy. It would be stupid for him to do that. Because he'd bring people to people who are unhealthy, and then those people he brings will be unhealthy as well. And that's not what he wants to do. He wants to create a countercultural people, a society, a people, a family. And that's a term that's obviously big in the New Testament, but has to do with a family of people, related people spiritually, some 
physically, some naturally, but, but uh, basically, spiritually, we're related together and we're to form something on the earth that's supposed to be a reflection of life in heaven. So we are to show the image of who Jesus really is as he related to people and as he formed his little band of disciples and then that expanded, but there was the beginning there of an amazing family of human beings that became a prototype for the way the Lord wants all of us to be on the earth. And it's so sad, isn't it, when the church is filled with such infighting, such backbiting, such slander, such fragmented relationships that the world looks at us and says, no way, I want to be like those divisive people. And that's not good. So we need to become a family. So this one another series is awesome. So I'm here to talk about showing humility one to another. Now this is really a foundational part of the one another part, the part of building relationships in a church Humility is really critical. It's really a key. And I wanted to start off with this picture. And you'll see, this is Nick Foles, the uh, Super Bowl quarterback. Samuel, stand up here a second. Look at this guy. He wears a good shirt. Come here, come here, come here, come here. here. Look at his shirt. See the shirt? Come on, quick, 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 quick. Look at this. Woohoo! So Samuel's got it. So there's a reason why I believe that the Super Bowl was won by the Philadelphia Eagles. If you guys have dug deeper into that, and you, some maybe, how many Ravens fans do we have here? Okay, you guys, you guys are, you guys are marginally welcome. Do we have a Cowboys fan here, or is there a Cowboys fan here at all? Hallelujah! The church has been purged and purified. Good thing. (laughs) Steelers. I love the Steelers. Terry would love the Steelers, wouldn't he? Yeah, all right. Okay, but there is really, seriously, there is a reason why Nick Foles uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, and I believe because they demonstrated humility as not only an individual here, the, the leading individual, he and Carson Wentz both demonstrated genuine Christianity, genuine humility towards God and towards the teammates. It was their church, kind of, their family. And so he is demonstrating that right here. He's pointing to heaven. And this is, a, this is a picture which is fraught with truth. You would be amazed how much, and hopefully by the time I'm finished here, we can pack in. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll through this. I only have a few minutes to do this, and I want to I wanna really um, uh, uh, hit this truth powerfully because this is foundational. We need to learn what true humility is, and we need to walk in true humility one toward the other. Some of you do. Some of us do. Over the years, God's worked with us, and so we've got some humility he's worked in. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 33 and 30, 32 and 33 has to do with the fruit that the, that the Holy Spirit grows in us over time. Humility is one of them. So if we've been in the Lord for some time, there's been some humility growing in us, but let's define that that carefully and let's look at it. So we want to start with a a scriptural text today that really, really focuses this. This is probably the most dense portion of scripture that has to do with the concept of humility. And all of you in the church, 
leaders and non-leaders and parents and older people and young people and kids and teenagers, etc., etc. All of you in the church, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Very powerful concept here. So you're to put on this quality in the spiritual realm. You're to put on this, this, this characteristic that comes from God himself. Put it on and, 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 and be, be cloaked in it. Be, be, um, uh, be, uh, have a winter coat of humility on yourself at all times toward one another. There's the emphasis, toward one another. Pay attention to that. I'm going to talk about today, humility has two directions. One, towards one another. The second one, towards God himself. So this is what we're going to talk about. Because God stands against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. This is a powerful Old Testament scripture that Peter, the writer of this particular scripture, pulls into his letter to the church and he uses as a foundation. So why should we be walking clothed in humility one towards the other because foundational truth here God stands against another translation says he resists he resists those who are proud but he gives favor to or he gives grace as another translation he gives his grace his unmerited favor his blessing a synonym for grace in the new testament is also power So he gives his power and his favor and his blessing to those who walk in humility, to the humble. So Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So we have a scriptural command, humble yourselves towards one another. Why? Because God stands against those who walk in pride and he gives his grace and blessing to those who are clothed in humility. And therefore, because of this, we need to humble ourselves first and foremost before Almighty God because there's a reward, there's a blessing. If we do this, if we walk in humility before the Lord, then he will lift us up in due time. And scholars debate exactly what that means. What does it mean to be lifted up by God in due time? Does that have to do with eternity? It may, but it also may have to do with this life. That God will exalt us, will lift us up, will put us into a position where his blessing causes us to prosper, to do well in this world. So those who walk in humility are given a promise of God to walk in his favor and his blessing. Okay, this is a powerful scripture. Now I want to talk about a definition of humility. Let me say, first of all, what humility is not. Humility is not doormatism. It is not the quality of always letting everybody run all over you and being passive and unassertive and unable to accept any challenge in the world and to just be a rubber doormat. No, that is not what humility... That's a common understanding of humility. Now, the world system, because Christianity, you know, what Jesus brought to earth was in the Old Testament, Jesus brought it and intensified it in the earth through the new covenant, the, the kingdom of God expressed in the earth. This is a different kind of reality than the world system. The world system actually exalts and rewards those who walk in pride. Those who walk lifted up above their fellows. 
Those who say, only I can do it. Only I can fix it. Look to me, I am. Maybe they won't say this, but I am the Savior. You know, in the Roman world in which the New Testament was placed by the Lord, the Caesars were actually known by some of the titles that we give Jesus. The Caesars were known as saviors. They were known as the sons of God. And so there was this huge contrast between Jesus who walked in mildness and humility and laid down his life for the salvation of the entire world and then the Caesars who lorded it over their subjects and were were far away from everybody and they were up above. They occupied the very first place in the pantheon of societal status. They were the great ones. That's the world's idea. How many people can I step over on the way to the top? How many people can I, can I uh, 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 compete against and overwhelm and beat and win and, and triumph over? And I'm not saying there's, nothing, there, um, there's anything wrong when you're playing a game to want to win. Yes. It's, <laughs> Jonathan yes. says, yeah. yeah. You know, Jonathan once lost a game of ping pong to his brother and Jonathan took the ping pong paddle and threw it up against a wall and it, uh, up against a door and it's, it was a hollow core door and it stuck into the door. Well, I tried to hit him with the paddle. Oh, you tried to hit him with the paddle and it didn't work. No. So you got the door instead. Yeah. yeah, we had forever memorialized, right? So you, you wanted to win. Every Latchaw I know really wants to win. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to win, but how you win, will you step over people? Will you run roughshod over people? And in life, must you win? And so this is very important. So this is what, so so humility comes against all that, but humility isn't a passivity and it isn't dormantism. What is it? To be humble has to have a proper understanding of our wholly dependent relationship to God and to put the interests and needs of others above our own interests and needs to deflect attention away from self onto others. Now, let's go back to the picture of Nick Foles. At the heart of what he was doing, he was deflecting attention away from self and putting it on the magnificent and majestic other who is the God of the universe. He was acting in humility. The entire Eagles team, those who are believers at least, were acting in humility. Humility is a recognition at its very heart of who we really are in relationship to God. That's the first way we should look at it. And let's go to the next slide. I want to go quickly. I have limited time. Humility towards God is manifested in a set of attitudes about who we are and who God is. Humble people know that all their gifts and accomplishments, both natural and spiritual, come from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 The Apostle Paul speaks to the church who was fighting with each other and competing for who was going to manifest the best spiritual gift and be promoted in this pantheon of spiritual status in the church. He says, what do you have that God hasn't given you first? What do you have that isn't a gift already? And it's a gift from him. Did you make yourself? Did you birth yourself? No. 
All of that was, was God working through means, creating you and giving you all that you have. So everything that you do, if you are the Super Bowl MVP, you are going to deflect, if you're humble, you're going to deflect attention away from, yes, your accomplishments. They are your accomplishments. I mean, in the sense that you did them. But the truly humble person will say, I thank my God and I give glory to my God because all that I am, all that I've done, and all that I will ever do is all from the Lord. It's all from the Lord. And I know it now. Humble people really get it that it's only through the creator that they live and move and have their being. And humble people understand That from him and through him and to him are all things and they give him praise. Now you'll notice I'm kind of repeating this central concept. What is it to be humble before God? It's to recognize that God is God and I'm not. It's to recognize that he gets all the glory and I don't. It feels good to be praised. But in my heart, when I receive praise for anything that I do that's helpful to people, that that brings God's goodness to people, I have learned to just say, well, thanks a lot. But in my heart, you know what I always do? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And sometimes, at the leading of the Holy Spirit, I'll say, you know what? The Lord gave me all that. Because it's important for that person to hear that. Because they look at what they see visibly, but I know what's happening invisibly. And invisibly, I am drawing on the strength of God. If there's anything good in me, it's from God. If there's anything good that proceeds out from me, it's from God. It's all God. It's God. It's God. It's God who, who it's from him. <laughs> it's through him. And it's back to him in credit and praise That's what it means to give glory to God, to give the praise and credit to God. And I love it. Don't you love it when Christian athletes, there's a theme here, when Christian (laughs) athletes stand, when the first thing they say when they're interviewed is, well, you know, I just want to give all glory to Jesus Christ. And I love it. And Nick Foles, again, I hate to emphasize him over and over again, but he is a, a paradigm of this. He is a prime example of this. And so the first thing he said when he was interviewed at one of his interviews was, he said, you know what? Because they were talking about what a great game he played. And he said, you know what? You know, I, I, I can't play that well. <laughs> he said, I can't play. That, that, was, that was the strength of God working in me. And so he knew that. And that's the essence of humility towards God. Okay. What's it mean to have humility now towards one another? Towards one another. Next one, please. No, oh, that's all right. Let's, let's go right here. Okay, I'm going to let the scripture speak because this is actually right here. This is actually a, um, uh, a, a reading, a writing rather, a writing out of the, uh, the scripture, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. And it's so beautiful. This is from the Passion Translation. I highly recommend that. It's very colorful and, and very uh, accurate according to um, certain kinds of texts from the Bible. I'm not going to get into that, but it's, it's a very beautiful and colorful uh, translation. And this particular passage describes for us 
what it means to be humble towards each other. Not to promote self, but indeed to promote others above self. In the same way that we don't laud or exalt ourselves when we talk about what happens that we're doing that's good, but we give glory to God, that same dynamic, deflecting, deflecting attention away from self and, and, and pushing it over onto other people, that's at the heart of walking humbly with other people. Okay, Be free from pride-filled opinions. Do you know the need and the lustful desire to be right all the time is actually a form of pride? Intellectual pride. We need to walk in intellectual humility. You know what's so sweet, a, a phrase that's so sweet? You could be right. I love to hear that. <laughs> I rarely say it, but I love to hear it. <laughs> it's not true. I try to say it. <laughs> Even though I don't always believe it. <laughs> Do not allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. You know, our desire as humble people is not to promote ourselves. Do you know that if you make it your goal to promote others around you, to do good to them and to lift them up and to to push them forward, that God will see to it that you get promoted at exactly the right time. Scripture says, do not praise yourself, but let another person praise you. That's the same essential truth. Instead of promoting me to the next place on the rung of success in whatever field it is, instead of that, I am, you know, Jonathan, I want you to become the worship leader. I'm going to look for places to, where your worship gifting can, can come forth and more fully than it ever has before. I'm going to make it. That's my goal. And God will take care of me. He will make sure that I'm taken care of. But I do not engage in self-promotion, but the promotion of others. In authentic humility, this is, guys, right here. Right here, if you don't get anything I'm saying today. Get this. In authentic humility, put others first. If there's a better seat or a worse seat... Make sure the person around you gets the better one. If there's a bigger piece of meat or a smaller piece of meat, you know the answer. Anything that has a better or not so good, make it your goal to give the better portion to those around you. And view others as more important than yourselves. Man, that's hard. But that's the essence of the heart of humility towards another person. You are more important than me. In this moment in time, no matter what the objective reality is, I'm up here speaking to you right now, and so I'm occupying a position of importance, and so maybe I should be getting first place. Nevertheless, I'm to think of you as more important than me. And so I'm to give to you. I'm not to think of what the response is coming back to me or I mean, I want to be pleasing to God. I always want to be pleasing to Him. But my goal is to think of you as more important 
than myself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. Man, does this cut into the heart of sinful humanity? Right? This is the kind of family that the world is waiting to observe. This is what it wants. We're to be that. We can't be that kind of family unless we walk in humility one towards the other. Next one, next slide. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you're too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks. Serve others. Take your place alongside those who aren't like you. Do your very best to live as everyone's friend. Ephesians 4.2, with tender humility and quiet patience, always show gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who annoy the heck out of you. The love of Jesus flow out every way, all the time. That's my goal. My goal at home, at work, out in the marketplace, on vacation, my goal is always, always, always to let God's love flow out to those around me in any way that seems practical and reasonable and right in God. That's what I want to do all the time. Okay, final slide, or final couple of slides. You might be humble toward others if... One, you don't insist or believe that you are always right and so find yourself arguing constantly. Are you a constant arguer? I would bet that you have intellectual pride deep within your soul if you are. Now, there's a time to argue for a truth and a conviction, but to argue constantly, to always think you're right, no. You are not looking for ways to promote yourself, but are content to serve God and others joyfully. When it's a choice between who gets the better portion, you put others first. You really do view others as more important than yourselves, no matter what the objective reality may be. You deflect attention and praise from self to others, and you give them credit even if you deserve some. God will make sure that you get the credit that you really do deserve. But your job is to give the credit and praise to others. In every situation, you make decisions so that the needs of others are met instead of your own. You don't see some in church as your friends and others as not. But you treat everyone as those inside your circle of friends. Everyone. Everyone. The goal of this church is for everyone to look around on a Sunday morning and see people they love and treat lovingly those people and make them included in their family of friends and not excluded. You show kindness and patient love towards all, even those who honestly annoy you. (laughs) And these two I've added that weren't in the scriptures that I just read to you. You greet everyone with the same love. Not just those you know. Jesus actually says that, you know. The world greets those they know in in a loving way. He said, it'll not be so among my kingdom. People in my kingdom will greet everyone. Strangers as well as those they know well. And finally, you don't favor the rich and powerful. And good looking and well dressed. (laughs) 
over the poor and the weak and the uncool. Do you know mystically who is hiding inside the least of these? Who? Jesus. Jesus is hiding inside the weak and broken and uncool and smelly and poor. So when you embrace them, you embrace Jesus and take him into your life in a greater way. So let's walk in humility towards God and humility towards one another forever. And that's what heaven's going to be like. Isn't that cool? That's, might as well start here. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I think that could take like a lifetime, <laughs> at least for me. I mean, maybe no one else struggles with pride, but uh, that, was conv- that was convicting and challenging for me. Um, what we do here at City Light is we give uh, a little bit of time to reflect on what has just been shared from, uh, from the Word. So we're going to do time we call the response and reflection time. If you've never been here before, um, we're just going to sing one more song. And what you can do is you can sing along if you want to. Um, you can just spend some time on your own reflecting on what Bruce has just shared, uh, thinking about, you know, one area, one of those 10 that maybe you struggle with that you want to um, start to work on this week, start to work on tomorrow. But also we always offer prayer. And so there's some people standing on that wall over there you can see to your right, and they're ready to pray for you. Um, this is not you praying. You don't have to go pray. <laughs> this is you just going and getting prayer. And it really can be for anything. It can be about what Bruce just talked about. If you're feeling, you know, that, you know, kind of what I was feeling, which was, yeah, that's me. Like I need to work on that. If you're feeling that, that could be the Lord prompting you to get prayer and you could go get prayer for that area of your life. Also today, if you're sick, if you've been struggling with an illness, or if you're just going through a hard time, you know, this is what Uh, This is part of what the family does is we pray for one another. And so we would encourage you. It's not scary. Just go. Those are all really normal people over there. I promise. Go over and they would love to pray for you for healing or for peace or whatever it is you need right now. So let's stand together and we're going to just sing this one final song. It's a lot easier to just say, you know what, I want to, I want to be humble. I want to live out humility. It's a lot harder to do it. Right. <laughs> and so we need, we need God's help to do that. And so, God, we just, we just say that we're weak in this area. It's hard for us to care about others more than ourselves. It's hard for us to, to walk in humility and not want the best for us. Or, Lord, we, just, we pray that we could, we could be um, humble in the things that we do, that we could be humble in our, in our work. We could be humble at home, God. We could be humble when we're in arguments. We could be humble... God in conflict, we could be humble, Lord. Um, we wouldn't be judgmental, that we wouldn't put other people down, that we wouldn't tear other people down, that we could be living out what you've asked us to live, that we could, like it was said, clothe ourselves. Well, obviously, we don't put humble clothes on, but we put that a spirit of humility on us, God, every day. And so, Jesus, we ask for your help. We're going to sing this bridge that says, I will build my life upon your love. God, help us build our lives upon your love so we could live out humility, that we could live out loving one another. We could live out encouraging one another. We could live out these one another's that are really so hard to do on our own. We need your help. And so we just confess it and we ask for it, God, help us out here now. 
So let's just end this time and just reflect on it. How can you be more humble in, in, these, in these areas, these relationships? How can you be hum- more humble in your relationship with God too? God, we don't want to take for granted what you've given to us. We don't want to think that we have earned what we've earned. We know it's an incredible gift. Every talent, every blessing, every success, God, the root of it comes from you. And we are thankful and we are grateful. Thank you, Jesus.